Indigenous girls stabbed to death in Winnipeg had just been released from custody with nowhere to go. Quebec will continue to incarcerate migrants, despite having promised to end the practice by the end of this year. Who is on strike in Canada right now, just before the holidays? Well, I'm going to give you a list. And 14 people killed at a mass shooting at a university in Prague. Good morning. It's Friday, December 22nd. Folks, this is the last daily news of the year. I'm Nora. Here are your headlines. We start this morning in Winnipeg and another story of a 14-year-old Indigenous person who has been killed. The girl was stabbed to death by a 17-year-old. She was vulnerable. She had a serious addiction, wouldn't stay put in foster homes, and was on a waiting list for a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder diagnosis, reports CBC's Caitlin Garlick. She was also Indigenous, a point that is mentioned indirectly throughout the article, though references to murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls, Jordan's principal, and off-reserve funding and status all indicate her identity. What's even more stunning about this case is that she was released from custody the day before she was killed, and the presiding judge condemned the lack of resources that she had access to, in particular, extra funding. She was released from custody with no placement. Her social worker was trying to get her money for, quote, what she needs and what will be best for her, unquote, something that the article doesn't actually explain, but that the province wouldn't fund. Her social worker was trying to get her money from Jordan's principal, which gives money for service funding to Indigenous people first and lets the province and federal government hash out later who should pay. Next, CBC's Brigitte Bureau is reporting that Quebec will continue to incarcerate migrants. The practice was supposed to stop at the end of 2023. The province is going to extend this practice, though, for another six months, with the support of Canada Border Services Agency. In 2023, Nova Scotia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and British Columbia have all stopped incarcerating migrants. From 2015 to 2020, an average of 8,000 migrants were detained each year by Canada Border Services Agency. Now, it's important to note that there's a flip side to the end of incarceration, if it ever comes to Quebec. CBSA is renovating immigration holding centres in Laval, Surrey and Toronto. Bureau quotes CBSA explaining that they'll do this to, quote, accommodate high-risk detainees. Any bets that the renovations will just add jail-like holding areas to these immigration centers? Something definitely to watch, because if there's anything that CBSA knows, it's how to be cops. And, of course, the only thing that cops know is how to jail people. Next, to strike news. Because it's the end of the year, I wanted to give you an idea of who is on strike and where. Maybe you're close to a picket line, and you can send them something that isn't a Tim Hortons gift card. Tim Hortons runs thin after a long time when you've been on the line. Let's start with the strike I've talked about before that is currently impacting my life the most, the Quebec teachers. Yesterday, striking members of the FAR blocked access to the Port of Montreal and the Port of Quebec. And because the biggest industry in Gatineau is actually headquartered in Ottawa, the teachers there picked the second best symbol of that city. They protested the Casino Lac LeMay. CBC's Erica Morris reported that the Montreal Port Authority said that the teachers blocked about a quarter of the port's morning traffic, which is some 500 to 800 trucks. 
Now, if you're wondering how negotiations are going, the FAE's Melanie Hubert told Radio-Canada that while there is movement on salaries, the core issues of working conditions and class sizes are not moving ahead. In total, 66,000 teachers are on strike and have been since November 23rd. Along with the Francamen strikes, which rotated and are not currently on, schools have been closed since November 21st. The Front Commune has threatened an unlimited general strike in January if they can't reach a deal either. The teachers rejected the last offer from the government, which Morris doesn't detail. Now, if you're outside of Quebec, look at how little news these strikes are getting. These are Quebec and Canada's largest general strikes in history. And yet most journalists are completely ignorant of what's going on, let alone not writing about them. If you're in Manitoba or Saskatchewan or Nova Scotia or Newfoundland, you will know that there's not much coverage of these strikes. But this is incredible historic worker organizing, and it's important that you do know what's going on. Now to another strike, this time detailed by Zach Fiscara at the Taiyi strike that I've also mentioned on this show before, the Rogers sugar strike in British Columbia. Those workers have been out since September 28th, and they're fighting to protect their weekends. The bosses want them to move to 24-7 shifts. That's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They currently work 24 hours a day, five days a week. They also want workers to work 12-hour shifts. During the strike, new sugar brands have popped up, something that threatens to break the, quote, handful of companies that have controlled domestic sugar production, unquote, writes Viscara. Redpath Atlantic control most of all domestic sugar production. Atlantic owns Rogers. The union told the company to hire more people if it wants to boost production rather than driving workers into the ground with an untenable 24-hour, seven-day-a-week schedule. Despite how long this is dragging on, members of PPWC Local 8 remain united, having just voted at 89% to keep going. Viscara cites an article from 1911 in the Victoria Daily Times that decried the long work hours at the plant and horrible working conditions. The article suggested that Rogers Sugar Refinery workers move towards an eight-hour workday. Next to FTG Aerospace's Toronto facility. A strike there started on December 11th. Pay at the facility is low, says the union, Unifor Local 303. An assembler working there currently makes $17.95 per hour. They manufacture components for cockpit assembly in both commercial and defense air industries. This information is coming from a Unifor press release. A majority of the workers there are women and it's very diverse. FTG has just started hiring scabs to prolong the strike. Unifor points out that the company has gotten more than $15 million from government funding. Management has not agreed to another negotiating meeting. And in the press release, Unifor reiterates its call for anti-scab legislation. Next to a store with an objectively terrible name, the workers at Pete's Fruitique, a Sobeys-owned store in Halifax, they've been on work for nearly six weeks. God, Pete's Fruitique? Who came up with that? That's so bad. Fru, by the way, fruit is spelled F-R-O-O-T, in case you're wondering. This story from Mitchell Bailey at Global News reports that the workers are fighting for a raise, mostly. Staff are paid minimum wage. Sobeys is open to paying them more, but has only proposed a $0.05 per hour increase. I read that as 5% and thought, well, that's not so bad, until I reread it and was like, oh, $0.05. Incredible. About 100 members of SEIU Local 2 are on strike. 
Sobeys emailed this to Global News, quote, we respect our teammates' right to collectively bargain. It's unfortunate that union leadership hasn't focused on returning to the bargaining table to achieve a resolution for our teammates. We, however, remain prepared to negotiate with the SAU as soon as union leadership is ready, unquote. Did they call their workers their teammates? Oh my God, guys, that's so cringe. And you're their bosses, not their buddies. Terry Armour, who's a picket captain, said this, quote, We definitely find that show of solidarity to be very encouraging for us, and we hope that it's just what we needed to get Sobeys to actually come back to the bargaining table with a real offer so that we can resume negotiations and get this resolved. Because none of us want to be spending the holidays standing in parking lots. We want to be doing our jobs and spending time with our families. Next, workers at the Sheridan Vancouver Airport Hotel have reached six months of strike. Now, this strike, I actually saw the impact of when I was at the Vancouver Airport, stranded there for a day and desperate in need of a bed. I grabbed a hotel room, and while waiting for a shuttle, there's a sign that says that the Sheridan shuttle is canceled as a result of the strike, which is great. There should be no work as normal when workers are on strike. Anyway, this is a bitter one. Some 50 people have scabbed over the course of the strike and negotiations are deadlocked, reports Vicky Hui from the Richmond News. Mediator Amanda Rogers said that she sees no prospect of resolving this strike. She made 36 recommendations to settle, though Hui doesn't say what those recommendations are and how close they are to either side's latest offer. One of the issues they can't agree on is whether or not the union can find people who crossed the picket line, while the hotel wants to give those workers amnesty. Hui talks to one worker, Mel Wu, who says that he's frustrated with the union, which is Unite Here Local 40. While he remains on strike, he's worried that the contract demands aren't being made with the participation of as many workers as possible. Wu is legally not allowed to cross the picket line because the date of his hiring makes it illegal for him to scab, as per BC's Labor Relations Code. Wu said that the workers haven't voted on any of management's offers. Sharon Pawa with Unite Here Local 40 said that it's normal that some members would be frustrated by the process, especially as it's dragging out. The union reps told Hui that there hasn't been enough salary movement from them to take proposals back to the membership. The Sheridan has been fined by the BC Labour Board four times for using scabs and rebooking guests to non-union sister hotels the Marriott and the Hilton. The hotel is managed by Larco Investments, which is owned by the Lalji family. They appeared in the Panama Papers as hiding away profits to avoid paying tax. Now, I know I didn't catch all the current strikes going on in Canada. I know that there's at least one other uniform member out, but I couldn't find the details. I probably missed another one or two. So sorry about that. But shout out to workers at Canada's largest cemetery, Notre-Dame-de-Neige Cemetery in Montreal. Workers have unanimously agreed to a new collective agreement. They had been on strike for more than a year. The union won a wage increase of 22.4%, though it covers 2018 until 2026. The strike created a backlog of burials at the cemetery, and government had to intervene in the strike. Still, the CSN has claimed victory, saying that workers can return to work with their heads held high. And lastly, to international news, the Associated Press is reporting that 14 people were killed at Charles University in Prague. It's the Czech Republic's worst ever mass shooting. It happened in the Philosophy Building. The shooter was a student there, and he also died, but the article, the Associated Press, does not say how. Police said nothing about the victims or a motive, but they did say that the shooter apparently killed his father earlier that day. Investigators said they don't believe there was a link to extremist ideology, but I don't know, man. It seems pretty much like you're committed to some kind of extremism when you go out and do a mass shooting. 
The shooter also is suspected of killing a man and his two-month-old daughter on December 15th. This they concluded after searching the man's home. In the article, he's described by the police chief as, quote, an excellent student. Well, those are your headlines for Friday, December 22nd. Uh, I mean, those are your headlines for 2023. They're a whole year of the Daily News podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. I certainly heard a lot of people say that you do and that it's become part of your morning routine. Clearly, it's become part of my morning routine as well. My hope in 2023 is that we can hire someone to help me write these scripts because while Sandy and Nora, we get paid a little bit to do the main podcast, this has been wholly volunteer on my behalf. Uh, We can't hire someone for volunteer wages, obviously. And so while I'll continue to work for free, we do need some money to hire somebody. Giving me some help with the scripts would be getting someone to write the scripts for Sunday night and Monday night. That is Monday and Tuesday's episodes. So if you've got extra money, it'd be great if you can chip in. No worries if you don't. Don't feel bad about it. I could still do it for free. It's not killing me yet. And honestly, it's a lot of fun. It's been a really great way to look at how Canadian media is and isn't covering certain issues. And what has struck me the most is just how few names that I actually see in the bylines. The journalism industry is in complete crisis, and I would say almost collapse. It's operating just as so many other industries and collapse are operating on the skin of the teeth of the workers themselves. And in doing the daily news, you can really see that. You can see how Monday morning or Sunday night, there's almost nothing to report, no news of any interest. It's shocking because, of course, there's tons of news that's happening in this country and no one has come up with a very good strategy to fix it. I've always thought that we need to fund news through some sort of public levy managed by a municipal government or something. In fact, that is the article that I wrote that made me leave a passage at the Maple uh, because they rejected it. (laughs) I don't know. So anyway, thank you for sharing this journey with me. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, of course, I will be coming back strong in the new year. I'm going to take two weeks off. So I don't know, get your news somewhere else or take two weeks off from the news. Do, I don't know, something else. Find something different to do. I am Nora Loretto and you are listening to this podcast at sandynora.com at the Real News Network podcast feed or anywhere you get your podcasts. I hope you have a wonderfully restful holiday. If you're one of those workers on strike, keep up the pressure. You will win because as you know, one day longer, one day stronger. I'll talk to you in January.